Hey, welcome back. This is part two of a three-part series we did on careers in one sit-down recording. So if at points it seems a little weird, that's that's probably why. This has all been kind of jumbled together. Enjoy! Okay, so we can talk about random stuff while we wait now. So, yeah. Well, careful. I don't want to... See, that's the thing with editing. I don't want to put any golden content in slots that are going to get chopped because then we have to figure out how to fit it in and then that makes it weird. It doesn't flow right. I mean, as long as you edit in that Charlie's quotes without context (laughs) about holes, I'm I'm cool with it. Wow. Even Even if it is chopped up, it's good. He's a mean Redmond. I mean, is it mean or is it just me wanting good content? Mm. Mm. I, I think it's you because you're the one that's famous for misquoting everybody on the server. Ah, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Zark completely disappeared and died on us. Um, so back to the question. Uh, what jobs do you hate slash love? I can tell you, I don't think I've ever had a job. Like, I've never quit a job because I didn't like it. Um, I mean, I also never quit a job because I never I, had a job. I think it's important to shift your mindset. There's there's going to be parts of jobs you're not going to like. There's going to be people at jobs you don't like. But, like, if you just figure out the smallest things that you do enjoy and you really seek those things. So like I love solving problems. So any place I worked, I don't care what my job description was. I solved problems. And I remember like I got a job at like an office supply place. I think they're out of business now, but it was a competitor to office depot. And, uh, my job was to like run the copy machines. It was very much, you know, just an isolated corner of the store And I remember one time there was like a display that was set up and it was set up wrong and it wasn't working. And so when I wasn't busy, I walked over and I took it apart and I re-engineered it. It had like batteries in it and had a part that was supposed to spin, I think. And so like I, I get it all working and fixed. And I remember the, the, the big boss man came by one day and was like, did, did you do that? And I was like, yeah. He's like, why? And I was like, I don't, it was broken. And I just like to fix things. And he was like, well, Good job. And like, he was kind of mad, but at the same time, like, just, I don't know. He wasn't used to people stepping outside of their area. And, uh, but I found that any job I worked at finding, like when a customer had a problem, making that the priority. And like, I enjoyed solving other people's problems and helping them find solutions. And that little aspect made any job, didn't matter where I was, a fun challenge and a focus that that I enjoyed. And so all the other stuff, you know, the taking out the trash and the cleaning of the toilets, you know, but any job that you might think is like bad, I will tell you like my, my career path was this. I went from like around 15 years old before I was legally allowed to get a job. I got a job as a custodian, a janitor. And I had to wait three months to get paid because it was illegal to pay someone my age to do a job. And I had a bunch of other little jobs that I did as a kid, like, you know, mowing lawns and, and, and helping old guys move junk around their yard and stuff like that. You know, I remember my grandmother used to pay me to move bricks at like five cents a brick or penny a brick. And it was like totally not cost effective. Like 
I was, it was slave labor. And, uh, but I, I suffered from the inability to do well, do math well. So I fell for it. And, uh, but, uh, when I, when I was old enough to start working real, I was a custodian and you would think that's disgusting work and it is, but it allowed for a flexible schedule, which meant that as I grew into that job, I got more jobs doing the same thing in other places. Cause you could go somewhere else and say, well, these people over here, trust me with the key to the building and, and to do this job. So I'll do the same job for you. I don't know. I already know how to do all of it. So just show me what you want to do. And I, at one point I worked three or four different jobs when I was in college doing the same thing at different places. And, uh, because the schedules were flexible because I mean, you're cleaning, you're not, you know, you're not there from opening time. You're not working your register. It's just important that it gets done that day, but it's not important necessarily when I was able to stagger all those jobs and work a ton and make enough money to pay my way through college. So I never had to take on any college debt or anything like that. Um, just by cleaning toilets. Like literally that's the most income I got was from cleaning toilets and, and, you know, mopping floors and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and everywhere I went, that was a skill that always led me to another job like i could go anywhere and just say hey well you you have facilities i can help maintain the facilities and that would get me an in somewhere even though typically i wouldn't stay in that position because i would find something else i'm good at that place prove myself at it and then get moved in that position and uh that's how i got my way through college and i got a degree in graphic design so once i got out of college i went i went into the graphic design field and web development and it's been that way ever since, but, um, you know, you just have to have a positive outlook at what you're doing. I can't think of a job you would hate because typically if it's something you would hate, like if it's literally dealing with poop all day, you get paid really well for that stuff. Like if you're young right now and you're like, I don't know what career path I want to go into, look into plumbing and electrical work. No one likes to do plumbing because it's gross and electrical work because it's hard work. Like you have to crawl through attics all the time and stuff and it's, you get real dirty and you have to do a bunch of stuff. that's a little bit dangerous because you could get hurt doing it. But like those traditionally always pay pretty well and you can get onto a path of being self-employed pretty quickly. Um, in those career paths, you can go from working for somebody to working for yourself. Um, you know, within a decade, and uh, there's a lot of other industries where that will never exist. If you're just a wheel in a cog somewhere, you might not be able to, to be self-sufficient and be your own boss. Um, but a lot of those uh, trade school jobs, they do lead to, you know, I don't know. I, I have a lot of clients that are in those businesses and those guys have boats and several trucks. Like they, they, they are very well off. And, uh, so as much as you might think it's a bad measure job. success by the amount of boats and trucks <laughs> yes. in Oklahoma, that's how we do it. <laughs> you look at how, how jacked up their truck is and uh, <laughs> that's how, that's how good job they do. But, but I mean, any job you, any opportunity you get a job. I mean, there's a, there is a Christian uh, perspective on work, which is to always work like you're working for God. Like if you just always look at your job and say, I'm going to do this like to the best of my ability to show that I'm great and I'm not that I can, you know, commit to things. Like if you just have a positive outlook on what you're putting into it, it doesn't matter if you hate it or not. That will lead to better jobs, good resume, you know, just work hard. Don't 
don't be a quitter. Don't give up on things. Push yourself to do a great job at things. Be proud of what you, the work you put out. Um, and don't be lazy. And, and really, like I've literally never, I've never been turned down for a job. Uh, not that I can remember. I've never, I've never like applied for a job and uh, gotten an interview and been told, you know, it wasn't a good fit. Um, I've never really had any, any problems with employment. I think one time I had a boss that told me if I didn't change my hours to be more flexible, that they were going to let me go. And I laughed at them and said, I only came here because you needed the help. <laughs> and so I was like, if it's not going to work out for you, then that's fine with me. And I'll walk away right now if you want me to. And, and they were like, well, that's going to hurt your resume. And at that point I was already had a career and I was like, this doesn't go on my resume at this point in my life. Like, I'm sorry, you know, but that was the only bad experience I had. Even then I was kind of in the right and they, you know, they had to be put in perspective. And, uh, and I stayed there for a few more months and then I left because it, it was a little awkward, but, uh, but most jobs I've, I've transitioned out of them because I moved to something, something life changing different, uh, up the scale. And I've never left in a bad situation. I've never walked out on a job and said, I quit. Um, all those things that look real dramatic in movies and television shows are really bad for your resume. Um, almost anywhere you get a job, they're going to ask you, Did, is your previous employer, would they hire you back? And that is a very important answer to be able to answer yes. Because that's also the only question usually they will ask if they do call your references. If they call your previous employer, they will ask, is this person welcome to come back and do their job again? And if the answer is yes, then that means you're a good employee. Like that's just, that's an easy question to ask. It's a legal question that they can answer and say yes or no without getting into the details. But uh, that is typically, if you've ever been a reference for somebody, that's what they ask. They'll say, you know, would you have any reason this person would be a good employee or bad employee? And secondly, would you hire them back? And that's a big question. And if so, if everywhere you leave is somewhere that they miss you when you're gone and they wish they could get you back, uh, that's a good positioning to be in for career. I think my so. job is like that. They asked me several times to go back. I was like, it's nice to be wanted. Yeah. <laughs> it I is. I mean, it, and, and feeling, you know, like I can still go back in any of those businesses that I worked in and feeling a sense of pride that, you know, I was part of this place. I contributed, I did my time here and uh, you know, um, I, I did my time here. Sounds like a prison thing. It, well, and it can. Like, I mean, I worked for, um, I worked for Hobby Lobby. They were not a great employer. Like, they weren't a lot of fun. They, they were. Uh, I don't know. It's a give and take because you get to work in an industry where there's a lot of creative stuff. There's an opportunity to like, uh, learn a lot about the different crafts and things that are in crafting, um, and arts. But uh, and I, at the time I was working there, I was in university, so I was like doing art classes so i was able to get discounts on products so it worked out great for me but like i just remember that being like a place that it it the management was kind of bad in a lot of places and it was uh it had it had its fair share of frustrations and uh i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend i mean i recommend it but i wouldn't go back to it like it's not a job i would sign up to go back into even even at reasonable pay um just because they don't really uh, have a healthy business structure when it comes to employers, employees. I don't know. I'll, I'll tell you what. what question. Well, I, we didn't talk about what love. So what do you love? What's your dream job, Edmund? Oh, that's a very tough one. 
I don't think I have a particularly like a like a particular job that I would call a dream job. Because in the end, any job you really do is probably gonna turn at least a little not so great for you. You know, it's gonna turn into a chore at some point, even if a job that you would like a lot. So I guess a dream job, I don't have anything specific, but just a job that I would not get tired of fast and something that I guess pays relatively well. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the most important part of the cover job is just to enjoy it and you're not going to enjoy it if you get tired of it. I left I think... my job as the uh, nurse nurse. Like, I got to finger paint all day, play hide and seek. <laughs> it was the best job ever. <laughs> Loved it. Uber, you get paid for playing hide and seek. Count I got paid for playing hide and seek, finger painting, and all of that jazz. It was great. I loved it. And if, well, I mean, if you focus on just the positive, it's easy to love that. If you, I told you, you got to work at a place where kids are going to wipe their boogers on you all day long, you might be like, ah, they like, it all depends. And it, I, I also think you should balance the difference between loving something and something being very rewarding. Cause like, yeah, exercise is not something that everybody loves, but it is very rewarding, you know, to, to be healthy. So like, you know, you might be, you might have a job that, that is boring. Um, but like at the end of a long day of boring, boring, boring work that you end up helping somebody as a customer or something that, that, that is very appreciative and you get that sense of rewarding. Like I, I had purpose today. I did something I contributed to society in a certain way that is, that makes me feel good. And that's, I think you don't have to love something for it to be necessarily rewarding. I think that you can get a lot of joy True. out of having a rewarding job that doesn't necessarily uh, fun or love you know you love every moment of it I think it was uh, teaching them like because uh, a lot of what we did was uh, teaching them through play so that they didn't actually know that they were learning like I thought that was like really crafty so we would have like all the cars and we'd be playing with the cars and you'd be like going okay so what color is this car and they'll like tell you the car and like you'd count the cars as they're going to the car wash and different things like that and it was like secretly teaching them in the way that they enjoyed it and them then like being able to then count after that that was really like I, I love that. Yeah, I love being able to be a part of the development and uh, whatnot, and and just playing. <laughs> it's great. Okay, let's ask all these questions. It's a good one. Um, Do you want me to read it? That's up near whoever wants to. I was waiting like Nixel. Oh, okay, Nixel's gonna read it. Oh, wait, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I can read it. All right, uh, I'll ask it. I'll ask it in my best Ollie voice. Um, okay. What advice would you give to someone who is searching for their first job to sustain a living before moving on to their career? That sounded nothing like Oliver. Sorry. Yeah, I, I would have tried harder, <laughs> but somehow I felt like I was going to get really offended quick if I really tried. <laughs> and also, he, uh... his language is a little more coarse than I can speak. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that, guys. Hey, he's back. 
What am I answering, sorry? <laughs> answer Ollie's question now. Ollie's question? Yeah, we moved on. What sorry. if I give someone certain for the first job to live before they move on with their career? Oh, right, okay. Well, <sighs> sorry, I just ran up the stairs, so I'm a bit out of breath. I, uh, <laughs> I think that's a good idea to, uh, Go for a job, like, like, go, f like, you don't necessarily want to go for the best job, or a job that, like, suits you perfectly. Sometimes it's a good idea to do some bad jobs, some jobs that you can look back on in the future and be like, hey, look, this job might suck, but at least it's not that job, you know? No, I haven't said that. You probably don't want to be doing something that makes you feel miserable, but at the same time, you know, be prepared to do something that isn't. I, I think people miss out on thinking about jobs as being experiences, but like, so like a place I always wanted to work at, but never really got the opportunity was uh, like a Home Depot, like a, a home hardware store. Yeah. Because like, I always knew I'm going to be a homeowner, so I need to know how to maintain everything in my home. Yeah. And like, what better way than to work at the hardware store and to know what all the tools are and how to use them and to know, like, to learn those things over the course of time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes you don't, you know, you might not be able to pick the job that's in your career field, but pick a job that you're going to benefit from through the course of your life. Like maybe you'll learn things there that'll be use resources for you in your yeah. hobbies or career or, or in your daily life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also good to know what your limitations are and what you're good at. Um, if you're really quite shy, it, it you know, and and you don't really enjoy talking to people, maybe it's not a good idea for you to, you know, work in a job that's, you know, highly focused on customer service. Like food service or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um then again, if you know that you sort of would like to be better at talking to people and you do kind of enjoy talking to people, you're just you are kind of shy and not very used to it. Maybe a good be a good idea to take that kind of a job so you can improve your skills at it. You sort of have to be a bit you sort of have to be quite honest with yourself and it's hard for young people to do that young people have an idea of what they want to be like and that's what they you know pretend they are yeah so that's, I, I think, think so we all are kind of like we fake well, it until we get in that situation yeah. yeah and then we learn oh actually i guess i'm what mm -hmm. i thought i wanted to be as you get older you sort of find yourself a bit more in the sense you know exactly sort of what you're capable of what you're all what you like what you don't like etc yeah yeah i have to agree on that like find out what it is that you want to go into and try and tie in your first jobs to the career that you want to do. Yeah. I think I was a pretty much an introvert. So that's why I went for jobs like, you know, cleaning jobs where you're isolated by yourself in a big building mm -hmm. and, and some people that would have driven them crazy, but mm -hmm. I don't think I would have enjoyed like having to worry about my tips based upon my friendliness mm -hmm. and, you know, banter and, yeah. Uh, well, like, I, awkward. Like, I've always been the kind of person who likes talking to people. Um, I've always really just enjoyed talking to people. I just wasn't very good at it when I first started out, and it, it sort of made jobs like being a waiter and stuff kind of difficult to some extent because I didn't really like I wasn't very good at having that banter and stuff. But those are skills that you can sort of learn over time, and yeah. you do you pick them up and like working as a waiter and stuff. It didn't do me like it. it I wasn't good at it, but I knew that it was something that I could be good at. And I worked hard at it. And, like, you know, now I, 
my favorite like like I do work in a McDonald's now and there's certain job roles where you are left on your own and you sort of have to just sort of get on with working on like without talking to anyone and there's jobs where you are and like at the front and interacting with customers and like I love the interacting with customer jobs now that's the best part of the job and the jobs where I'm sitting alone and not doing anything but like you know maybe some taking some cash and and like you know saying all right thank you next you know like those kind of jobs are that I find them quite lonely and quite quite saddening you know so you know just because you're not good at something doesn't mean it's not something that you'll enjoy whenever you get better at it. Yeah. That's, yes. that's, I think the lovely thing about a career or any job is it puts you in a social contract in a new social contract. So like when you are a waiter, you're expected to greet people more and to talk, have conversations and spark, you know, uh, make people feel special. Like that's part of your job role. And mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable doing that now, you might be comfortable doing that in that role. Like when you're fulfilling that yeah, role, you might yeah. be comfortable doing that. So it is a good yeah. way to to venture out and try new things. And mm-hmm. you know, like um, if someone had told me, you know, ten years ago, would I be like, you know, would, I, would the best part of my job be the part where I interact with the customers and even you know bad customers or negative customers and try and win them back? I would have been like, no way, you know, I I can barely look at anyone in the eyes. Never mind, you know, have a have a you know try and win them back as a customer but nowadays it's like it's the part i love the most about my job and you can get those opportunities because it is i guess it is young you oh if i accept this job like i'm going to be doing this for a year or whatever but there's seasonal work where you're we're pretty much guaranteed you're only going to have that job for a season um but they don't tell you sometimes it's usually the really good employees they get for seasonal work they keep them like they will figure out a way to make you not seasonal Um, but working jobs that are seasonal working jobs for a temp agency that'll put you in different positions is a good way to like get a lot of those experiences and see. Yeah. Yeah. And the other great one we talked about earlier before volunteering, like, you know, you might find an opportunity to volunteer at a banquet for a nonprofit. Um, if you just get involved in different community organizations and things and get anytime you see those opportunities, consider those opportunities to get work experience for free without the risk of like, literally you could walk out of a volunteer opportunity if it's toxic or it's bad, or you're just not yeah. good at it. You can just say, Oh, I'm, this isn't working out. See you later. And no yeah. one's offended. It doesn't go in your resume. There's no bad, you know, blood because you were volunteering. It was your time. You were donating mm-hmm. it. So I know surprise yourself at what you can do when you're volunteering as well. Like, I mean, I used to walk in the classrooms and like, you know, sell like raffle tickets for a charity and stuff. And like, you know, it's down in front of the class and I'd be, you know, I'd be nervous, but I put on a facade and, and like, I'd, I'd do quite well, you know, and I, I, you know, raised hundreds of pounds for, for the, you know, for the, for the, it was actually like a charity that was helping out people who were, um, like that, that had like an abortion for, you know, for medical reasons. And this, this charity would, um, would, would like get, give them a sort of like a care package, like a box that just sort of had like a little blanket in it and some other stuff just to sort of make them feel a little bit less, you know, traumatized by you know their their their, their ordeal mm-hmm. and uh we we I, I like i was walking in the classrooms and you know encouraging people to buy these raffle tickets and you know explain that it was for a good cause and i i surprised myself at just how sort of well i could do it you know and uh yeah. i think that you know like just have like that was back whenever it was as well before i sort of really had any proper jobs and it was sort of very like self it gave me a lot of sort of self worth yeah self-worth 
it sort of made me value myself a lot more and that was worth way more than any sort of money i could have earned you know doing something like that you know i think that you know people should volunteer for if anything for something like that just a bit of self-worth yeah well i learned volunteering um when i was in college i worked uh on a on a mission field through a church organization uh did some charitable stuff and some you know uh i guess you call it outreach i don't know but doing nice stuff for some interesting communities so i worked in a uh had the opportunity to work in a maximum security prison um which it wasn't really work it was more just like you know hanging out with inmates and and holding services for them and stuff um but that changed my perspective a whole lot on just who people are like the the identities you give people just because of the circumstances they're under mm-hmm. um and then after that we went to a, a a certain mental hospital where like the majority of the people that were in that stay on that floor were uh alzheimer's and dementia and i learned that i I actually do okay with that kind of work. Like yeah. um, there's a part of me that could just like understand the situation and then f- go with the flow in such a way that it was kind of fun. Like I yeah. just, I would, you know, if they thought I was their grandson, like um, I didn't confirm nor deny, I would just kind yeah. of go along and then, and then maybe encourage take them to the do role, things yeah. that were, that were healthy for them and take care of them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and allow them to feel good yeah. and positive at the same time. And, and uh, it's it's not so much like emotionally switching off. It's sort of just like emotionally creating like a, a separate you or something. And I, and I think, yeah, like, I mean, I, you do, I, you do go home after that as experiences and you do feel a sense of like heartbreak. There was one, yeah. one woman on that floor that was completely mentally okay, but she had, was completely disabled from a uh, horse riding accident. No, and, and so like, that was like a little bit just seeing that being in that circumstance and having to kind of cut back and forth between dementia patients to this one patient who's all together there but is a you know nearly quadriplegic Physi- you know. yeah physically incapable yeah yeah and so it was uh but like you know the, at the end of the day it may have been difficult and there may have been some gut-wrenching moments but like it was very rewarding yeah and and yeah. and you and when you think about that that need is always there like and yeah. even recently in my life i was looking uh last year in the summer I was considering getting another job because my current employer, the the funds were kind of like every once in a while I wasn't getting paid uh, tightening up, yeah, on time, and and it was it was putting me and for a while there I had a lot of padding and I was like okay I'm doing okay but it's got to the point where the padding was getting smaller and I was like I might need to find a second job just to have the economic security of not having to worry about like getting behind on payments and things. And so I started looking and one of the things I got excited about was like, oh, I could work at a nursing home. Like that would, I would actually really enjoy that. Like working with the elderly mm-hmm. and, and uh, just because I know that, that a lot of people don't enjoy that. And it ends up being a very lonely place where not a lot of people visit, you know, cause a lot yeah, of people yeah. don't like going to nursing homes. And I was like, oh man, I would, would totally enjoy that. There was a bunch of other jobs. I looked back into like cleaning and stuff and getting involved in like a cleaning service. And yeah. I had all these plans. Of all, I started putting my resume out and started getting jobs ready. And then it was literally that week when my boss called me and said he was ready to just hand me over the business and sell it to me. And uh, that changed, that changed my position a whole lot. But again, hmm. like it's all about taking, you know, you take the job based upon the job you want. I, I worked my job and I put up with 
you know, like in most careers, you would think if you extended your abilities, like if you learned a new job that you should get paid for learning that new job. Like if you went and got a PhD in something, you should get a pay raise. And everyone kind of thinks that. And I put up with a lot of just learning how to do everything and extending my abilities and my abilities and never getting compensated for that. But I knew my goal wasn't to be CEO or some, you know, VP at a big company, but I wanted, I wanted the comfort of working from home and being able to be my own boss and, and take charge of my own company. Mm-hmm. That was my long-term goal. And that's actually why like NXIL has always been around um, as my name, because that was uh, from a early college age. That was my idea was, uh, you know, one of these days, this will either be a great band name or this will be my corporate identity. And, yeah. uh, and so it's been on the back burner, but then that, that opportunity came and, and now that's why. You dig it? Yeah. Well, I, I, like, I think that everyone, like, I think that the, the fact that sort of we live in a society where everyone sort of expects to be working for like a big corporation like you know like everyone's first job is always working for a big corporation like a hotel chain or you know um you know mcdonald's or whatever like i think that's like that's fair enough but i think realistically everyone should have in their like in like in them the goal to be complete like to to be self-employed i think there should like the the rise of people being self-employed need like that needs to happen um like big corporations are like you know they're very useful to society and not you know i'm not completely anti-corporate but i think that their ability to exploit people is is very real and i think that you know if you're you're you like they're as an entity their goal is to maximize profits and they will take advantage of people if if if, if it has to be that way <clears throat> and i think that the only way they guarantee that you can't be taken advantage of is if you are self-employed to an extent, I mean, obviously it's not even on purpose. Sometimes it's a, there's yeah, a concept called like corporate evil, but like, so you, you create a policy for the safety of your employees, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that this is, this is the way it needs to be. And, and then at some point as the employee, when you're dealing with a customer, you're like, Oh man, I could totally solve this problem. I could totally, they want, they have a job they need done and I have a skill to do it. But my my rule set that I have to live under from this corporate entity has protections that keep me from. I remember I worked at Walmart once, and at Walmart they had a rule: you can't help customers when you're not on the clock. You can't do anything. You can't if you if you're outside in the parking lot and you see a shopping cart on the loose, you can't go get it and go put it where it belongs. Yeah, when you're off the clock, it's the corporate mm-hmm. policy. <clears throat> Yeah. And if you're stopped by a customer because they recognize that you work there and they ask you a question, you can't answer their question because you're not on the clock. Yep. And that is just a, that's a corporate rule that has very good reason to exist, but yeah, it is course. completely stupid too. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, and, and if you, if you were your own boss, you definitely would not enlist these rules to live under. No, of course not. Of course not. What's the reason for it? Well, it could be just like to like if you hurt yourself while moving that trolley, you, you, for, from that point on, you, you wouldn't be able to sue them. For example, you know, yeah, it's to protect them from liability is mostly what it, which is a real threat to the business to be able to, yeah, you of know, course, exist. Like, but... to, like if you do, like, you know, Walmart was under lawsuit after lawsuit from their employees, then they wouldn't be able to support the rest of their employees, you know, with jobs. So it's not like completely a self-interested thing. Yeah, and then, it and is, obviously, and they also don't. They also want to give the employees an out where you can say, "I'm off the clock." I've, you know, I. 
I shouldn't be expected to help customers and be friendly once I'm walking home. Like I shouldn't have to be stopped. I should be able to tell people the policy is you need to find another employee because I'm not working here right now. Yeah. It's it's yeah. completely understandable. And then when you get to size, you set up guidelines and rules that are like that. But yeah. man, when you're when you're young, small, and flexible as a company or a person that runs your own thing, there are no rules. You can do yeah. what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge amount of power in that. That's why in the markets tend to, you know, you'll see these big corporations prank spring up. And you think, oh, well, no, there's no longer a need to be a window because there's a corporation that does that and they're huge mm-hmm. and they have huge power. But there's always room for the little guy who's more flexible who can say, you know, well, but I'll work on Sundays, you know, or I'll, I'll do this or that, that the corporate can't do because they yeah. just, they, so I will fit a need. I'll find those needs and fill those gaps. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of power. There's a lot of flexibility for people to take on their own, you know, ownership, of their own business and do their own thing. At least depends on your country, depends on the economy. Because yeah, yeah. all kinds of different things imply. Also, it depends on the industry as well. Because I mean, if your if your goal is to create a new competitor to, competitor to YouTube, you know, good luck. It ain't happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just not yeah. happening. Don't want to be like the bearer of bad news or discouraging, but at the same time, like good luck. You know? I don't know. I've you know, yeah. I I I used to say that to everybody. Like if they came to me system as a you know because they would be a customer that wants me to build them a system that's a lot like xyz like a lot like facebook i want to build my own facebook and my response was always that is a poor use of your money like don't you're not it's not going to be successful but i have had clients that have built things where they came to me and they said i want to build a version of this but but very specifically to my industry and i just want to you know and i was i have been wrong I have been proven wrong that that there is money to be made. Now, you might not be Facebook and be making your money like Facebook makes their money, but you might find a completely different way to make money and and to be in business and be doing those, offering yeah. those services. Because again, it's all about being flexible. Like right now, if you notice on social media, all these social media sites are getting like taking down anything that has a gun in it. You know, anything that if you post a video that has, you know, uh, you lighting a cigarette or playing with fire at all, doing something with fire, they will just take it down because the algorithms run those systems because they're run by policy. Well, if you're a small, more flexible system that you can moderate your own content, you know, then you can get around that. And so there's there's always kind of there's always a yeah. gap somewhere where yeah. you can leverage and get in. And... Vidmit, you muted. Did you die? Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm only dead inside. It's just. Well, can I can I have your server now that you're dead? No, I'm only dead inside. But whenever you die in real life, I'll get your server, right? I mean, it would be fun. It would be interesting how I would transfer the server ownership from my account when I'm dead. Well, like if we get it on like audio record now, I can send this here to Discord. Whenever you do die, you know, maybe the reasons are you know suspicious. Maybe you know, I my bike accounts you know a couple of grand lighter as a result. But you know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, you ask me this question, hey, can I can I have like the server ownership uh, once you die? And then I say yes, and then I disappear after like a few days instantly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, unrelated. Like that, if that wacky, unforeseeable situation happens in the future, I get your server, right? You know, that brings up a topic. A lot of people, a lot of young people, have the idea that you can build, um, like, fame equals success, like. If you get famous on the internet, you'll be rich somehow. And I understand there are some systems that kind of lean themselves towards making money off of internet fame, but most of them aren't as profitable 
as the ones that just are old fashioned business techniques for making money. Like, uh, I was explaining this to someone the other day who's, who was trying to, trying to experiment in all these like online little places to earn a little bit of money. Like you can go to all these different things and you can earn a little bit of money here and there. But if you're still working for systems, let's say like you're working for Google advertising because you're famous and people watch your YouTube videos, like you are completely beholden to that system and that platform. They are your employer. You're not self-employed. Like you are working for YouTube as a contributor to their, to their engine. And uh, which is, which is a legal weird thing that eventually one day will get solved because we still don't know if they are a, you know, a, a advertiser on a platform that they control the content for or not. But, uh, but you, you're not really, you don't have any assets. And so the, the distinguishing thing between a good business model and one that is just a way to make money is, are you accumulating wealth? Because a good business model means you accumulate wealth. If you go out and you mow your neighbor's lawn and they pay you enough money that you can afford to buy the gas, buy the mower that you use to mow the lawn. So you buy yourself a mower. You have accumulated wealth. You now have both a job and a mower. Okay. So if your business model leans towards you building assets, then you have a sustainable business model that could lead towards you becoming, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos or whatever his name is, the Amazon guy. You're like, that's all that he did. He just invested money in more things until he got more assets until then, you know, he's got billions of dollars in assets. And that's, that's, that's the secret to the formula to success when it comes to economic success is making sure you're building up assets and not just because you could be famous and you could get a channel and you could get paid for your fame. But as soon as your fame drops, you're done. You're done. You haven't built any assets. You don't have a, a necessarily a brand or something that has value outside of just what you did. Now there are people that get famous and they do, they will build a brand off that. And then that brand will build. But even then sometimes it's still just, it's just selling swag on top of that fame. And as soon as the fame goes away, the swag is value is value drops. And so you're, you're done. I mean, and, but still at that time when the swag is not, uh, not gone, you could make a decent amount of profit. You, you could, but let's say for example, so like you, you, you develop brand and you sell t-shirts instead of, buying the t-shirts at 20 bucks a pop and selling them for 30 bucks a pop. If you really believe in yourself, you go get a loan and you get a silk screen machine and you print your own t-shirts because then when you're done, you're going to have made the same profit. But now you, 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 you own a silk screen machine and you have the skill of making t-shirts. You can turn around and turn that into any kind of business. You can grab the next brand, the next person out there that's got fame. You can get behind them, make their shirts, you know, like, when you when you build equity on a business, when you build up that that asset market, then you you've got something sustainable for the long run, as opposed to just being on the whims of the market of today. Everybody's using Facebook, and tomorrow they're using Twitter, and now you're you know Facebook is dead. Like it just there's you need to have some other thing. That's why you see all these systems out there like Facebook always adding more to their market. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll keep finding new ways to get you to come back because if we just base it on popularity of the system we run the risk of losing everything. And so we, we always add more assets to our market and more value. So just a thought because some people think, you know, you can go out there and be self-employed and that's enough, but self-employed just is just, it's just a phrase for saying you make money that you earn, but if you earn money and build assets at the same time into your, 
into your own company or your own identity, your own business, then no matter what happens, at the end of the day, you've got those assets too, besides the income you've made, you've got assets. So. A lot of, um, a lot of uh, older people, people, especially like the 50 year old sort of area of the world, um, they sort of had a system where they kind of, they, they, they encourage government programs that, they, they, they voted for governments that, that created programs for them to have a lot of sort of social securities and stuff. And uh, they started, you know, they, obviously the government had to pay for these securities with taxes and shit. And um, they've, uh, they, 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 in a weird way, kind of sort of banked on the system of like, ha- like, because, you know, like there was a lot of people working at the time because uh, they just come from the baby boomer generation who had lots and lots of kids. The system sort of supported itself. And in a strange way, what's happened is they've sort of almost borrowed from the future in a way. Um, they, they, those same people who were in those systems and worked through those systems, they now expect the same kind of systems as they get older. And as they're getting older, those systems are not being supported by the children of them because those people are not having as many children as their their parents had yeah so i think governments nowadays are sort of encouraging people to start investing in pensions and investing in sort of assets and stuff because the the government ain't going to be able to support um you know ain't going to be able to support you in the same way that uh that's a it's a really good point. And I, someone did teach me that when I was my, my boss who I credit with a lot of who I am as a business person, because I learned from working for him. But, uh, like when I, when we first started, it was like five employees in a little tech firm and he had some investment guy come in and talk to us and pretty much talked us all into setting up 401k stuff. And, uh, which then later got turned into like a, a Roth IRA or something like that, that then we kept contributing to. But like, if you will just put away, like it's IRA. hard, but like, yeah, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> not the same thing you're thinking of. Um, but uh, if you'll just put away like 10% of your money uh, from the beginning, like it is a huge stepping stone 10 years later, 20 years oh, God, later. Yeah. And, and like, if you could give any advice to any young person job, It'd be like, start doing that now. Cause you don't realize like the market changes. Like right now the markets are going crazy because the coronavirus. And my mm-hmm. first thought is like, man, I kind of wish I had some funds I could invest in China. Cause right now it'd be buying cheap. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, that, that benefited me when I first started investing, I invested a lot of money in China. Like, and it wasn't a lot of money. It was like a small amount of money every month going from my paycheck into my investment plan. But it was set overseas and it ended up like the interest rate on it was the, what I was making on it was turned out over the course of 15, 20 years. It was crazy and it was great. And that, that's, a, that's a good point um, as well. Like whenever you are investing, it's probably not a good idea to invest in a market that you're dependent on. You want to diversify your in, uh, your investments and uh, your interests as well. Yeah. Which, which, you know, people hear a lot, but basically what that means is make sure that if you work in the IT industry, you're not putting your money into IT because if the IT market crashes and you lose your job, so you also lose your investments. You'll, you want to have investments in different industries so that if your market crashes or even those industries crash, 
you can still rely on your job or rely on your investments in the future. Yeah. And my boss took that to the extreme. He invested in chickens. Because <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're we're a tech firm. And and uh, you know, the the more he realized that one day when the technology crashes, which was in his opinion possible that, you know, because uh, I mean I don't know if you guys remember, but a few years ago the US government admitted to the fact that they were back end channel corrupting internet security for the state for the purpose of uh surveillance yeah and and and, you know we're keeping the country safe but by doing so we've created a huge hole in in security um stuff like that my my boss every time he heard stuff like that he's like okay well in the end the guy with the chickens lives like you know you might have a bar of gold at the end of the day but you're going to trade that gold for eggs you know you're not gonna have much choice and so his thing was like if the whole thing collapses i want to have so he moved out in the country, got a farm, and you know, and that's that's where his retirement Those plan is. Sound like cre- like chicken. American sort of scary sort of prepper crack, you know what I mean? Like- <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he and he and he enjoyed that aspect of it. I think it was also the, yeah, not just not just that he was actually afraid of it, but the more he just enjoyed yeah the hands-on environment after spending a lifetime in technology and IT. But uh, but it is a good idea. That's a really good point to to diversify and uh, make sure that you're you know. Mm-hmm. It's all in one, all in one basket. Um, hey, hey! <laughs> that was a, that was a cracking joke. <laughs> it was excellent. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not take it to the extreme. Alright, enough jokes. Let's go to the next question.